You try me once, you're back for more. Oh, yes, sir. I can boogie, but I need a certain song. I can boogie, boogie, woogie, all night long. We are live. Episode one of the Tartan Scarf podcast, and as Scott McGill sang there, we can boogie. For those of you who don't know me, I'm Gordon Sheikh, and I am the founder of the Tartan Scarf, which aims to be a hub for all kinds of content centred on the Scotland national football teams. We're launching this podcast at a very exciting time for the Scotland men's national team. This week, we kick off a World Cup qualifying campaign with a triple header of games against Austria, familiar foes Israel, and the Faroe Islands. Before we dig into that, I wanted to give a little bit of perspective. I'm recording this on Monday 22nd of March, and yesterday was the two-year anniversary of Scotland's traumatic 3-0 loss in Kazakhstan to kick off the Euro 2020 qualifying campaign. One of the founding principles of the Tartan Scarf is that we'll always aim to be positive and constructive when things go wrong. So I bring up the Kazakh debacle, not to wallow in it, but to demonstrate how far we've come. In my lifetime supporting Scotland, I've really never known the mood around the national team so bad. Two short years later, we're sitting as Euro 2020 finalists, we're developing a tactical system that seems to work, and a first choice 11 that we can get behind, and we're building the squad from a position of strength, most notably with the inclusion of English Premier League striker Che Adams to this squad. But you and I all know about the Scotland team. What I'm really interested in learning about is our opponents, starting with the team we kick off the campaign against at Hamden, Austria, who came out of pot two. Looking for some expert analysis, I called up Tom Midler, a guy who's based in Vienna, he's actually half Scottish, and he helps run the other Bundesliga podcast and social media channels, providing sensational coverage of the Austrian Bundesliga. We had a great chat about the similarities in the footballing culture between Scotland and Austria. Now, there's been so much confusion around who's actually in the Austria squad, so I was delighted to get his take on who's been called up, who's in, and who we need to look out for. Let's dive into that conversation right now. Tom, thank you so much for joining me on the Tartan Scarf podcast. Um, it's really exciting to have you with me today. Um, I'm sure this will mean just as much to you as it does to me, but we are actually recording episode one of the Tartan Scarf podcast. So when this podcast goes worldwide, Spotify give me the exclusive licensing rights, we'll all look back with fond memories on this is where it all began with me and you talking about Scotland versus Austria. But first and foremost, how are you doing? How are you coping? How's life? Uh, I'm really well, thanks. Yeah, pretty lucky over here in Vienna. Things are not too bad. And, and it's an honour to be on episode one of the Tartan Scarf. You know, this is, is perfect. I'm it's a, history. A big history in the making. Working on Austrian football. You know, it's, uh, it's the perfect podcast for me. So, uh, yeah, really nice to, to be on here on the Tartan Scarf. And good luck for the beginning of, you know, what's going to be an exciting journey. A glorious I'm glad future. To be here. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. So that, that's actually interesting. You 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 said that because obviously I'd love if you could just sort of introduce yourself, tell us where you come from, because obviously you do have Scottish backgrounds. You know, you are actually wearing a Scotland national football team shirt right now, I do have to say. Um, and just kind of tell me how you, how you came to be covering the, the Austrian Bundesliga. We weren't supposed to be revealing that. I've got several Austrian shirts at home. I could have worn any of those. Yeah. Uh, I went for my Scotland one today because I don't get much chance to wear it. But uh, yeah, uh, my name's Tom Midler. So I'm uh, working on the other Bundesliga podcast covering Austrian football in English. I work for UEFA as well, doing uh, Champions League and Europa League things, usually uh, revolving around the Austrian teams. So yeah, I do a lot of work over here um, 
I moved over here about six years ago um, and I was doing a lot of kind of football media work in the background beside my, my other job and now it's taken over. So Austrian football is my job really. But um, as you, you might be able to tell, I was uh, born in England. You can probably get that from the accent, but I've got Scottish family as well from, from the borders. And uh, actually my dad's just moved back to, uh, towards somewhere near Glasgow. So I'm really looking forward to, to going back to Scotland and I always love getting over there. So definitely a Tartan Army follower. Good, good. Well, well, do you know what? Honestly, like it, it, it's one of the things that I love the most about the Tartan Army that you travel abroad and you do meet people with the most diverse, rich range of backgrounds. People like I've met, I've met, I've met folk from Germany, folk from England, who just they've all got their reasons for following the Scotland team. And the way I like to say it is that it doesn't matter where you're from. Kind of all that matters is that you're here and that we're together, and that's the most important thing. Now, I do find it so fascinating. So your platform, like you said, is called the Other Bundesliga which kind of acknowledges the sort of elephant in the room, I guess, of having the German Bundesliga right over the border. I'm kind of fascinated by that dynamic because it sounds quite similar to what we have in Scotland, where because we've got the English Premier League, you know, the biggest, most richest, you know, most uh, highest profile league in the world just over the border, there's often a, a kind of way that a lot of people like to kind of compare Scottish football to English football, maybe unfairly. Does that kind of dynamic, does that exist in Austria as well, where you're kind of always looking at the guys over the over the border? I think in a lot of ways, you've nailed it there. There's there's a lot of similarities between the, the kind of Austria-Germany dynamic and the Scotland-England dynamic, definitely. I think the one thing that we have here, I don't know why it is exactly, but is it's probably that in Germany, the, uh, the Austrian league is really quite irrelevant to those mm. in Germany. People don't look at it that way. In Austria, people look up to the, the German Bundesliga. A lot of people support German Bundesliga teams, especially Bayern Munich, because they're from Bavaria, you know, the southernmost German state with a lot of uh, sort of cultural similarities to Austria. So, so Bayern are very, very popular. Um, but it's the, yeah, it's sort of a stepping stone for a lot of the players here, of course. They speak German. They, they look up to that bigger league. Um, and there's, there's a lot of moves, a lot of potential moves for the players here to the second division, to the third division or to the Bundesliga in Germany. So in that sense, it's kind of a, a, a one way relationship, really a one way street. And I think in, in the UK, just just because of the differences of, of how the UK is formed, the Scottish League still has a bit more um, sort of significance, even if it's not not like revered as in anywhere near as the way the, the English Premiership is. It's, um, it's still people talk about it. People know, you know, you, you've got Rangers, you've got Celtic and, and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. There's obviously more teams, but I feel like it, it sort of stays in the, in the consciousness a bit more. As I do feel like Austria, basically nobody in Germany talks about Austrian football. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, obviously it does give the leagues that similarity, the sort of, it's, it's like a language, good stepping stone. It's a good, culture. Yeah, yeah, very much so. And then obviously Austria and Scotland both have this weird kind of uh, twelve-team league split, a bit of mm-hmm. a, a play on the on the normal formats. It's not it's not just a, a sort of regular eighteen or twenty-team league. So mm-hmm. so also they uh, you know those two leagues, our two leagues, share that similarity too. Yeah, fascinating. Um, I, I I think certainly spe- speaking for Scotland though, I I do feel like I've I've observed maybe over the last ten years or so, there has been something of a growing kind of maybe self-confidence, maybe self-esteem among Scottish football fans that, you know, oftentimes those sort of maybe clickbaity type radio stations, online media that would do these sort of, oh, my nan could score in that league type rubbish. 
there's nothing that brings Scottish football together more than going and bodying those people because I do feel like we've, we've grown that sort of that esteem of feeling that this is our league and we're proud of it and it's not the English Premier League but that's almost what makes us even more proud of it I mean does that does that happen in Austria as well as there a fierce loyalty and love for the for Austrian football within the country I think Austrian football is going through a bit of a tough time in in recent years as well with its own kind of self-image and that's something that we found here you know people are not confident about the Austrian level people are not really banding together to defend Austrian football and actually that's something that we're working on people ask us all the time you know, why on earth would you talk about the Austrian league in English um, and, and you know your average football fan here kind of thinks maybe that it's that it's not very good or that the mm -hmm. quality isn't good but actually the facts don't bear that out. Yeah, if you look at the, the UEFA rankings, the Austrian league has, has been consistently getting stronger over the last decade. And, and it's actually doing really well. There's really good players coming through. There's really good quality football being played. And we're kind of helping people in Austria to, to fall back in love with that. And rather than just watching the Champions League, just tuning into Real Madrid v Bayern Munich or whatever, to actually think, no, there's, there's interesting games here. And each, each club does have its own kind of uh, small but hardcore fan base. And it's about growing that, you know, it's about reaching the, the, the average person, the average sports fan as well, and, and making sure that they don't overlook uh, their local teams. So, yeah, there are fans here, you know, there's, there's several clubs with, with large fan bases, but it's, it's about reaching that general population. And I like what you said about how the people in Scotland have kind of banded together, because <laughs> I think we need a bit more of that here. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, well like you said, I, th I think that's... That's a great thing that your site is trying to do. You know, it, it, I think that's something that the, the, the Tartan Scarf tries to do. We're always we always try to be positive, constructive. You know, you don't gain anything, you don't build anything by punching down. You know, you always have to try and be looking to develop and grow. Now, if we can sort of turn our attention now to the national team, obviously we're kicking off our World Cup qualifying campaign this Thursday at Hamden. Now, I was looking into the Austria team, and now you know why they kind of like us. They've actually not qualified for a World Cup since 1998. The record in European Championships is much more impressive. Um, obviously, they hosted, joint hosted in 2008, qualified for 2016, qualified for 2020. FIFA rankings over the last century, um, though this century even, uh, you know, they've shown a story of a team holding around 20th in the world for the last few years. Is this Austria side obviously came out of pot two? Are they coming into these World Cup qualifiers with confidence? Kind of what's the, what's the expectation like within Austria? It's kind of an interesting time, actually. You mentioned, you know, the Euros record being much better. It's not that much better, really. You know, when one of the better than nothing, was, better than no. <laughs> it's, it's better than nothing. But yeah, you mentioned, of course, they hosted the one of them, um, no. didn't win any, didn't really uh, win much there, and then played in in 2016 as well, which was the the great disappointment of late for Austrian football. You know, they went in as these real dark horses. They they won nine, drew one in the qualifiers for 2016. So they were looking really, really good. Um, but all of those wins were really very narrow. So, so it's a good effort, you know, grinding out good results. But then they just didn't turn up at Euro 2016 at all. Uh, best result was a nil-nil against Portugal. Mm -hmm. And uh, so now I think going into Euro 2020, there's, there's a lot of, uh, of anxiety. You know, are Austria mm. going to be able to kind of take the shackles off? So I think, I think we're still feeling that going into these World Cup qualifiers. This is a bit of an interesting test. And Austria have done all right in the Nations League without too much glamour and some more kind of yeah not the most exciting games but but they got results mostly when it counted um, so they've kind of got the Nations League thing in in the bank in a way takes a bit of pressure off these World Cup qualifiers but it, it remains to be seen I wouldn't say the fans are particularly excited I wouldn't say the fans are particularly confident 
Um, and I think that's one of the reasons that we had this, this drama this week of Austria waiting as long as they could to, to get the German players uh, cleared to play the game. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you've, you've, you've touched on a few fascinating things that I'd love to dig into sort of as we as we go forward. But I mean, first of all, you know, I, I was looking at Austria's sort of recent results and, you know, a couple of things that sort of jumped out at me, you know, looking at the qualifying process for Euro 2020, you know, they obviously finished runners up to Poland, but they did lose games to, to Israel and to Latvia in that campaign. And then you look at the Nations League last year, they lost at home to Romania, probably something of a shock result. Now, occasionally dropping points to sides ranked beneath them that's something I think Scotland can obviously relate to in recent history in fact a lot of our history would you say is that is that something that this Austria team is kind of known for that they can sort of stumble on those sort of banana skins so to speak I don't think so really I mean there have been some disappointing results but in general it's more the fact that the Austria consistently struggle or fail to beat teams that are similar or slightly higher rank than them actually the lower rank games i mean romania if you, if you look at romania i'd say there's, there's sort of this bracket there's this kind of an international b bracket in europe when you take away the, the top teams maybe the top 10 or 12 and yeah. then there's a lot of teams just underneath that and i think austria have, have definitely been up somewhere near the top of that category for a while but romania are in there too so of course austria would fancy themselves to beat romania it was a disappointing result but in the end you know they got one win and one defeat against romania and I think uh, that's not really regarded as something that was a, a huge shock here. It was a bit of a disappointment. And, and Israel, as, as Scotland know all too well, can be <sighs> Don't even. one of those really dangerous teams on their day. Once again, you know, Austria would fancy winning that game, uh, no doubt about it. But at the same time, it's not, it's not a huge shock. It's more of a disappointment if you, you know, Israel can suddenly turn up and score some brilliant goals sometimes. And they can really cause trouble when they, when they get their teeth into you. So mm-hmm. I think it's more, more that Israel... You know, we're, we're probably worthy of the win, and Austria do have off days, just just as all international sides do. But the Latvia one as well, I'll, I'll exclude the Latvia one because it was a <laughs> it was a dead rubber. Um, it was Austria's chance to try out some new players, and unfortunately, right, okay. we've battled here with Franco Foda, the coach, being quite conservative. And mm-hmm. uh, the real fear for me with that Latvia game was that he tried out a couple of players, gave a couple of new players a, a half chance in the squad. That he didn't play that well against Latvia. Nothing really worked for Austria against Latvia, and then you hope that. That isn't going to make the coach say, hey, look, I tried them. It didn't work. Well, I'll go back to my conservative style. But uh, it seems that that's what he will do anyway. OK, OK. Yeah, so, so t- tell me tell me about Franco Foda. Been in charge since 2018, management careers are primarily in Austria. How is his reputation just now? And does he have a kind of specific style of football that he's kind of working to? I mean, you said the conservative style. What sort of tactics are we, are we looking at? Yeah, so he uh, sort of rose to prominence. He's a German coach, rose to prominence with uh, Sturm Graz here in Austria. So he's one of the last managers to actually win the league uh, in Austria that was not managing Red Bull Salzburg, of course, who are the, the dominant force in Austrian domestic football. But um, yeah, so he's he's got a good record here in Austria. He knows Austrian football. That's why he was brought in after the disappointment of, of the Euro 2016 campaign with, with Marcel Koller. Um, but yeah, he has been conservative. 4-2-3-1 tends to be his thing, maybe sometimes 4-3-2-1. So it's it's not necessarily the formation that sounds too defensive. It, it's kind of the, the style of football that Austria plays. It's, it's not expansive. It's not attacking. It's generally as conservative as possible when it comes to just the squad selection. It's just who's playing at the biggest club. Does it matter about their form? Does it matter about anything else? Not really. It's just about who's playing at the biggest name club. Uh, he has a very, very heavy weight towards those who are playing in Germany, even if they are 
much further down um, the, the pecking order at their clubs in Germany. He appears not to trust Austrian domestic football at all, which, you know, goes against <laughs> exactly what I was saying at, at first, you know, that I think the Austrian league needs to sort of trust itself a bit more. And we've seen some great results in the Europa League from, from Austrian clubs. And the Austrian Bundesliga is still in that, in that kind of category where, you know, the vast majority of the players, I think it's 70% of the players in the Austrian Bundesliga are from Austria. So it's a great breeding ground for talent here, uh, but they're not really being trusted by Foda at the moment. We hope that that might change, but I think that's the main gripe that people have with Foda. We've we've not really seen him go for it and you know try and take a game by the by the scruff of its neck, as it were, or mm-hmm. like grab the ball by the horns, whatever cliche you want to use. Yep. He doesn't really do that. It, it tends to be let's get the best or the the strongest theoretical eleven out possibly, and that's why we've seen that the majority of Austria's games over the last few years have been. 1-0, uh, 1-1, 2-1, that kind of thing. All, all very tense, all very tight, all very close, regardless of who they're playing against, really. Mm, interesting, yeah. I mean, certainly the the style that Steve Clark's been putting into the Scotland side since since last year is very much kind of, I feel it could be something of a mirror here. I think we're going to have a sort of two immovable objects maybe hitting against each other on Thursday night. I mean, we, you know, we've been playing with a three-at-the-back system with wing-backs and... Um, so sort of really with five defenders effectively. Um, but, you know, I, I think as well that, especially in international football, in groups where goal difference is going to be key and that's how tiebreakers are going to be decided in, in this group, you know, keeping things tight and keeping the goal difference on track is is, is important. And I think that can be a, a foundational stone to, to qualification. And I guess, look, we've, we've gone long enough now. You've hinted at it before, but without sort of mentioning the issues around this squad, it does feel like there's been a lot of twists and turns. I mean, we are speaking this morning on Monday, the 22nd of March. We have had more than one date in the diary to discuss, but because the squad was not confirmed, we just couldn't do it. We've had to reschedule. Franco Foda, he originally named a squad of, what, 40-plus players in his provisional squad before he confirmed his squad yesterday. What did he announce, and how did we get here? Yeah, so it's been a really unusual one in terms of uh, announcing the squad. As you said, it's been pushed back several times. So, so last week, the deadline kind of came and went. As, uh, as I alluded to earlier, a vast majority of the Austrian national side are picked from players who play their domestic football in, um, in Germany, of course. It makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but because of the COVID restrictions on the UK and the, the classification that the UK had, uh, those players from Germany were not able to travel uh, to the UK and back for the game uh, without having to go into quarantine when they returned. So uh, according to the, the rules, they were then going to be left out. You know, they, they were not expected to travel and then have to go into quarantine afterwards because it's just, uh, yeah, too much of a, an issue for everybody. Yep. So that's where the 40 plus squad came from. Uh, it included a squad that we at the other Bundesliga were really excited about yeah. because of course it's it was a massive, yeah, it was a, a huge amount of Austrian based players who, who haven't perhaps got the praise or the, or the, the spotlight that they've deserved uh, in national team football. Um, so that would have been great. But in fairness to Austria, they'll see it as uh, as a win. You know, the Austrian Football Federation played the waiting game. Scotland kindly offered to switch around the fixture to home away. They uh, they rejected that. They waited for for this classification to come through, and it did come through just in time. So now uh, the squad suddenly has been trimmed down a bit, and we've got 19 players, I believe it is, 19 players who are German-based who will now be suddenly travelling over to Scotland. So 
I'm not sure if they're going to be mentally uh, and physically prepared, but you'd think that they're, they're sort of on call. That it's been a bit of a hectic week, but you'd expect that these professionals will be ready for it. But the good thing is that means it's going to be a matchup of, of two really strong sides. So it won't be that kind of weird uh, situation for, for Scotland where they have to play against a, a B team or a, a sort of reserve 11 and, and the weird pressure and, and the dynamic that that brings with it. So it, it'll be a proper, proper first class game, we hope. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously Scotland went through that last year in the Nations League when we played the Czech Republic and the entire Czech Republic squad had to go into quarantine and they had to call up a scratch team at the last minute and we sort of scraped a 2-1 win and it really, it wasn't a satisfying experience for anybody because like you said, the pressures are so bizarre that you have to win, you're expected to win, but you get no prizes for winning really because the expectation is, is there. Um, and the, the opponents are really motivated as well. You know, oh, Austria yeah, yeah. were in exactly the same situation. We played yeah. against the Norway debutant 11 in, in almost exactly the same circumstances. And uh, we scraped a, an injury time draw against this, this <laughs> debutant Norway 11. Because like you say, you, there's, there's all pressure is on you. The other team are insanely motivated to, to yep. seize their chance. And, you know, even, yeah, any kind of result would be sort of historic for them. And it's yeah. just a weird game, isn't it? Oh, it, it was absolutely bizarre. Yeah. So, so I get, look, I, I know quite a few Scotland fans were getting a little bit excited last week when it looked like, you know, David Alaba, Sibitzer, et cetera, were not going to be coming to Hamden and that could have been a big opportunity. But I think all told, it's probably better for the sporting integrity, I guess, if you would say, of, of the competition that look, we're going to play our full strength squads on both sides. So looking at your squad, obviously, as I just mentioned, Alaba, Sibitzer, there are a few players that, Certainly people in Scotland will be familiar with who've played in the Champions League, who you know well. But can you give us just your, your quick take on, on the squad? Who would you see as the danger men? And again, actually, something I was looking at, where would you say the goals are going to come from in this Austria side? Because I think the four strikers that are named in the squad have only got about eight international goals between them. So how would you speak to that? Yeah, that's long been a bit of a problem, really, for Austria We've had Marko Arnautovic, of course, who's a big name, you know, well-known in Britain, yep. but he's playing his football in China at the moment. He's getting a bit older. He's actually doing quite well in China, but um, he seems to have sort of fallen out of international favour. I don't know exactly what's going on there, whether it's like, like a personal thing or also mm -hmm. just a case of travelling over from China simply at the moment isn't the easiest thing to do. Um, so I'm not 100% sure what's going on there, but... Arnautovic, whilst he has been quite reliable for, for Austria, he's not exactly the answer to everyone's problems either. It, you know, it's a fact Austria do struggle for goals. And I think just to go back to what we were talking about earlier, and Austrian fans being a bit underwhelmed by the style of football that, that foe does Austria play, that's kind of compounded by the fact that when you do look through the squad, there are some exciting players in there. You, you mentioned Marcel Sabitzer, you know, he's playing at, at RB Leipzig in Germany one of the best teams in the Bundesliga, doing really well in the Champions League as well. And he's capable of all this attacking flair. You've got David Alaba, you know, one of the best players in, in Europe at, at Bayern Munich. And yet putting all these ingredients together, Lazaro, Valentino Lazaro at Gladbach as well, scoring some fantastic goals in Germany. And yet it's just that, that age-old problem. This form does not combine in the, in the Austrian national side. It looks like a completely different side. And that annoys people that these attacking players can't do it. But in answer to the goals... There's, there's somebody uh, who I really like, Sasha Kaladzic, who's a young player, was playing at Admira, who are one of the, the bottom teams in the, in the Austrian Bundesliga here. And you could really see his class even there. You know, he's, a, he's quite a tall, tall, leggy striker, but really good, yep. uh, really good in the air, really good on the ball too. Very skillful, almost uh, 
Peter Crouch-esque when you think about it like Are that. You're going to see good keeper a big man. <laughs> yeah, very much so. But you always think, you know, with a tall, thin face. Oh, good grief. Yeah, you think he must be good in the air. But actually, watch him on the ground and he's he's even better. So uh, Kalajic is, he's still really young, uh, just come out of the, the under-21 side as well. And he, he made a massive move up from Admira in Austria to Stuttgart in Germany. Stuttgart got promoted. He, he got injured uh, right at the start of his time in, in Stuttgart, got a terrible knee injury, was out for almost the whole season, came back at the end of that year, got straight into the scoring books with Stuttgart. They got promoted. Now they're in the Bundesliga. It's obviously pretty tough when you get promoted from the second to the first in Germany. And Kalajic is kind of breaking all these records. I think he scored in seven consecutive games for, for Stuttgart in the Bundesliga this season. So he is absolutely hitting the ground running in his time in Germany. So watch out for Sasha Kalajic. This is a great chance for him. He's still pretty new uh, to senior international level, but there's a lot of hope on his shoulders. Uh, you've got Adrian Gerbich as well, who is another one who was not playing in Germany, but he was playing in France, had the same problem about traveling and also got late clearance to travel. So, so Gerbich is, uh, is one to look out for too. But my pick would also be Erchan Kara because there's a little story here that's worth mentioning that Erchen Kara and Yusuf Demir, who you might have heard of too, are in the Austria squad for the first time. And both players play at Rapid Vienna here in Austria, of course. And both players are, to some extent, wanted by the Turkish FA. They both are eligible to play for Turkey or Austria, having not been capped by Austria yet. Both of them are very much available. And that was my big hope when we thought the German players or German-based players couldn't play against Scotland. We yep. thought the initial thought for everyone here in Austria Get them was, Get Kara, get Demir, yep. get them capped, especially Demir. <laughs> you know, you're talking 17-year-old midfielder wanted by Barcelona. It looks like he probably will go to Barcelona for uh, however many million euros. Uh, he's not worth all that much just because Austrian footballers are not particularly pricey. But this is a guy with immense talent on the ball in the midfield. Um, and if, if Demir gets his first cap against Scotland, watch out for him because that will be a big story in Austrian football anyway, shape or form. If Demir comes on, people will be very, very happy. Okay. Okay. Goodness. Um, I'm not really sure what I was expecting out of these conversations, but I mean, getting the fear. Um, yeah. I'm a bit worried now. <laughs> but look, I guess now, now, look, now you've put the fear into me, please make me happy. Can you pick out any weaknesses in this side? What are the, what are the areas that give you cause for concern? I know we talked about maybe the lack of goals in the team. Are there any weaknesses that you think the Scotland side could be looking to exploit? Yeah, definitely. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be too worried just yet. You know, these are two two sides with a lot of hope, but also uh, a sort of history of, of a little bit of underperformance at the international level. So I I don't think anybody anybody would be mightily surprised if Austria come back uh, without a win from Scotland. To be honest, uh, I, I put them as the slight favourites, but there are weaknesses in the squad, uh, un undoubted undoubtedly. Um, you've got Martin, um, yeah, Martin Hinteregger the centre-back for Eintracht Frankfurt. He's included in the squad, but my sources say he is not match fit and will not be playing. So that's always a big loss because he's pretty much the, the rock at the heart of, of Austria's back four. He's definitely the, the biggest sort of flair player at the back four. And he's a goal threat too, coming forward. Hinteregger likes to have a shot and he likes to get up. He's a perfect player, actually, to put a bet on for first goal scorer because, you know, as a defender, you always get good odds, but yep. <laughs> he likes to get forward. He won't play. I really think he won't play against Scotland. Um, Stefan Posh as well won't play. So there's a couple of players missing. Uh, Julian Baumgartlinger is the, the longtime captain, the veteran mm -hmm. for uh, Bayer Leverkusen. So he would normally be captaining this Austria side and he's out with uh, a knee injury as well, might miss the Euros too. So a long-term oh. one for him, that's a big blow for Austria. So there are problems there. And just generally, it's this style of football. You know, 
Austria, as you mentioned, there are some dangerous forwards in there, but they haven't got a lot of goals yet. These are players who are yet mm-hmm. to prove themselves. So I think there's there's talent across this side, but turning that talent into actual results yep. uh, has has long t- you know been a long term problem for Austria. So there's no guarantees of of performance. Um, and I would expect that even if Austria do play well, they will be unlikely to open up a kind of two goal advantage. So the mm-hmm. game will always be there. I think the the danger for Scotland is that Austria have a knack of uh, winning balls back. That is, that is their thing, apparently. Austria are the number one team in Europe in terms of possession, like conquering, uh, re, regaining like Winning possession. turnovers and stuff, yeah. Yeah, winning turnovers and stuff. So yeah. that doesn't make for a particularly beautiful game to watch usually, but it's sort of an interesting stat. But they also are good at late goals. They get a lot of late goals after the 80th minute. So watch out for those things, but definitely okay. hope for Scotland. Okay. So, so, you, so you think this could very much be a kind, of, a kind of midfield battle, sort of won and lost kind of in the trenches in midfield, basically? Absolutely, yeah. A one-one, a, a grinding one-one with loads of turnovers <laughs> wouldn't surprise me in the okay. slightest. Yeah, because I, th- I think like I've 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 spoken for a while. So obviously, when 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 Steve Clark sort of put in this new style of football for Scotland, playing with the three centre backs, um, I I did feel like you know his first priority had to be shutting the back door because Scotland had a bad uh, weakness of. Certainly in the Euros qualifying, when we conceded one goal, there was a chance we would then go on and concede two, three, four. We did it against Belgium. We did it against Russia. So obviously, locking the back door had to be top priority. Kazakhstan I, as well. Oh, please don't, mate, honestly. <laughs> Sorry. That, that was, you know, that was um, that was two years ago yesterday. So I was I was reflecting on that yesterday, that two years ago, we were probably at our lowest ebb, maybe Rock ever. Bottom. And now we're approaching World Cup qualifiers with a bit of confidence. We're going to the Euros. It does show you what can be done. It does show you the distance we've travelled. But sorry, I'll not bring that up again. No, no, no. It's fine. It's fine. Um, but I think you know the the issue that we've got is that the system we have is perfect when the game is nil nil, and it's good when we take the lead and we can sort of defend it. If a game starts to go against us, we do kind of need a plan B, and I feel like we we showed that in the, in the Nations League last year where. Again, in in our last two games, we conceded, and then we couldn't really turn the game round again, given the system that we have. So, I, I think you're right. I think it is going to be a very tight game, and it'll probably be decided by one goal. If it's going to be decided one way or the other, now turning back the search like back onto us, I'd, I'd really be fascinated to hear sort of what your take on the Scotland side is, and really kind of more widely, just maybe what the chat is in Austria about the challenge they're coming to play with Scotland? What what do they see as our strengths and weaknesses? Yeah, I think one area in which Austrian fans are a little bit jealous of Scotland or or could be a little bit jealous of Scotland if they knew about it is, as you mentioned, you know, Steve Clark's come in and he's implementing a philosophy. There's a back three, there's a a plan is basically (laughs) what, what we see. And, you know, even if that doesn't work out or even if it takes a bit of time to implement that, and get get the right players in position, you sort of feel like that's something that Austria have their plan. Austria are in place. The plan is set. But that also means you can't look forward to the future and say, oh, I can't wait till this works out, or I can't wait till these players come through, and then we've got this. Austria kind of are where they are. And, and they maybe shouldn't be, because Austria have probably got better young players than, than their older players. You know, the, the future mm-hmm. should be full of hope for Austria. But I think at the moment, the future is, hope, uh, is quite hopeful for Scotland. Um, I'm a bit surprised looking through the squad that there are so few Rangers players. I think only one outfield player for, from Rangers, mm. given, you know, they've obviously been great domestically, but great in the Europa League too. Um, 
Yeah, and to, to be fair, they, they don't they don't actually have that many eligible players. To be fair, I mean, Alan McGregor, their goalkeeper this year, has been phenomenal, but he's sort of fairly long since retired from international duty. Ryan Jack is the one who is in the, is is in the squad, and he has been phenomenal. And beyond that, they don't really actually have that many other Scottish players. There was a bit of buzz around the guy, Nathan Patterson, the right back, who's very young. He's only just broken into the team. So I think Steve Clark felt it's too early for him just now. But, you know, it's a fair point. Yeah, I mean, I like uh, I like Jack Hendry as well. The fact that he's playing at Ostend uh, is is good. I think I, I always think that with British footballers, I think it's really important to have some players in your national team who've got experience playing abroad. You know, even if he's he's still you know breaking through at the moment, mm-hmm. I just think that does it, it does wonders for for a squad actually having players with experience that they can bring in from from different leagues and different play styles. You you, you do forget that a league it, it does sort of uniform it does sort of amalgamate into a similar play style you know Scotland has its its play style even if it's not quite as simple as that it's the same everywhere the, the, the Premier League has a play style yeah. and then just to have players coming in from different leagues is so important fresh ideas yeah yeah exactly fresh ideas different coaching you know football in, in different cultures as well you get different coaches different teammates different influences it's it's all good and that that can only do well for, for Scotland in the long run but then, of yeah. course, the big one for, for us that we're talking about is, is Che Adams because the Premier League is is a big deal in Austria. There's no doubt about it. People mm-hmm. know the Premier League really well. And uh, especially Southampton, you know, with an Austrian coach too, Ralph has course, a yeah. So yeah. Um, So having Adams in that in that side is, uh, yeah, something that's sort of raised a few eyebrows here. But I think you'll be able to tell me more about more, <laughs> more about Adams and what he's doing than I will. But that's, that's one we're looking out for, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And I... I would honestly be surprised if Che Adams starts on Thursday. I don't see that happening. I think something that's very much become the watchword of Steve Clark's reign so far has been consistency. And I think that's something Scotland haven't had for so long that often we've been we've been led by maybe which player is flavor of the month, you know, who's the hot thing and right, get him in the Scotland squad, get him in the Scotland squad. You give him a cap, he doesn't set the world alight. And it's like, right, he's rubbish, get him out, get him out, get him out. And we just keep trying this to find the jigsaw that works. But what Steve Clark has done is that we have developed this very much first choice starting 11. It's led by Lyndon Dykes, who's gone down to QPR this season. He's not scored that many goals, although he did find his shooting boots at the weekend and scored for the first time since November. He obviously knows there's Scotland games coming up. Um, I do think that he will probably be the one to lead the line on Thursday. But as you said, Che Adams, what an exciting player. Um, only 24 years old. You know, It's a big deal that he's chosen this stage of his career to commit to come and play for Scotland. He's in his second season in, in the English Premier League. But I think the thing that excites me the most about him is that in the play style that Southampton have, he very much, he he works so well with Danny Ings. The relationship they have is phenomenal. He runs the channels. He links up with the fullbacks. He, he, he was actually a midfielder growing up as a kid. So like his range of passing, his awareness is very, very good. He links up with Stuart Armstrong, who... Is in the Scotland squad, so I think that that plays into his hands for starting for Scotland. Um, so yeah, look, I, th- I think over time, Che Adams and Lyndon Dykes will could potentially create a, a very promising partnership. I don't think that's what we're going to see on Thursday, but potentially when we come to the return fixture later in the year, that's something to look out for. Um, but no, we're certainly we're certainly excited, and, and, and like I said, it, it feels like we're developing from a, from a position of strength rather than usually it's because things have gone wrong. We've done a post mortem, chuck these guys out, bring these guys in we'll just change it up again. We're sticking with what has been successful, which I think is a good thing to do. Like I said, building foundations. Yeah, definitely a good position for Scotland to be in. and Should lead to a good game, all things considered. Mm. Gotta hope so. 
Absolutely. Now, look, just, just before I let you go, I would I would love to get your opinion on this little kind of theory I've been developing sort of since 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 the World Cup qualifying draw was made. Now, you did actually kind of allude to it a little bit earlier. So because Austria won their Nations League group in League B, they can be more or less confident that they've got a playoff place for this World Cup in the bag because unlike the Euros where, you know, teams would kind of waterfall upwards if they qualified and basically if you didn't get a playoff, you'd find your way into getting one. It's only group winners from Nations League that can get a playoff. Now, the four group winners from League A, they will all qualify anyway for the World Cup or they'll finish second. So, so Austria can be very confident that they'll get one. Now, that's the position, obviously, that Scotland found themselves in going into the Euro 2020 qualifying, you know, knowing that we had that playoff in the back pocket. And I certainly felt as a fan that it kind of affected my intensity at these games because I felt that the stakes just weren't as high because you knew that, okay, we're playing Russia. Oh, we're winning. Oh, oh we might lose. But in the end, it doesn't really matter because we're going to get a playoff anyway. So I'd love it that, I'd love to know if you feel like that could be something that might affect Austria because, I mean, looking at their fixtures, obviously they've got, they start with us and then they've got also got Denmark in March, you know, top seeds. And then in September and October, they've got four away games and one home game, which is against against Scotland. So I guess my theory is that maybe this is kind of wishful thinking that if Austria drop points this month, which they could do, and maybe look at drop points in these away games later in the year, for them very quickly, the difference between finishing second in the group or finishing bottom of the group kind of becomes negligible because if they can't win the group and qualify automatically, they've got the, that playoff regardless. Do you think that might affect their intensity or just please tell me, is this just wishful thinking on my part? Oh, that's a good question. It's, it's hard to say. I think the initial answer, the early answer at the moment is no. And the reason I say that is because Austria did so much. They waited, they, they really unsettled everything to wait and see if these players who are based in Germany could come back for the squad. And people like myself were, were just thinking, actually, for the continuity, for the stability, why don't you just call it call it with the squad that you've got? Don't worry about the German players, the German-based players. Let them come back in later. If they're not allowed to travel, it's obviously for the best for everybody anyway. Just leave it. Play with this squad. It's the first game, so it's obviously sort of the least intense the in a way as well. Yeah, it sets the yeah. tone, but at the same time, there's, there's plenty of time left to, to recover if, if the result doesn't go your way. So... Yeah, you can look at it in both ways. And, and I would have thought, I wouldn't have been too surprised if Austria had said, yeah, you know, well, we've got the playoff. This isn't the most important game in the world. We're going away to Scotland. We can go with a, a motivated squad of players based in Austria. And, you know, just don't don't treat this one with with 100% seriousness and just, just see how it goes. Sort of use it as a bit of a test game. Um, mm. But they've completely gone against that. They've done the exact opposite. And they're now confident, you know, the manager said, we've got the, the strongest squad available to us for this game. So it seems like they are, they're going for it. Later down the line, you might well be right. That could affect the way the group sort of pans out um, if Austria are not in the running. But I think when you look at the group, just for everybody's confidence going forward into, into, the, into the Euros, you know, into the World Cup as well, if, if we get there, for everybody's confidence, when you look at that group that, that Scotland and Austria have been drawn in, it is a very winnable group. It's quite a generous group for, for Austria. It is also for Scotland, for Denmark too. You know, all of those sides probably have a more realistic chance of winning their group than they have done in a long time. Yep. So, yep. you know, you kind of don't want to pass up that opportunity just in case the playoff comes around because as 
I mean, Scotland uh, proved the opposite of this, but when you get the playoff, you know, it, it does take it's away no the intensity a little bit, but it's no guarantee, yeah. you know, how close it could have been, you know, how, yeah. how it was just a Marshall's fingertips away oh, from, from not being in the, <laughs> in the Euros, you know, so yeah. it's absolutely brilliant that, that the playoff is a, is a great fallback, but mm -hmm. I think just on a footballing sense as a fan as well, it is indicative of a little bit of a, uh, yeah, it takes away that all or nothing thing. And, and yeah. I, I think football is not served that well by that in the long run. It's mm -hmm. happened in, in the Euros too, you know, the, these groups where you can finish third in your group now and still go through. Yep. The intensity is just, just <laughs> sort of slowly ebbing away. And I think in the long run, that's a bad thing. So yeah, I'm not sure how long this will stick around, maybe for a couple of decades, but I'm not sure it'll be there forever. No, it's true. Very true. Very true. And you know as well, a couple of things I was, I was thinking there that, from when this draw was 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 made, looking at it, you know, I, I obviously looked at our record against all the teams and looked at the the team's histories, and I was actually quite fascinated to learn that like this this campaign is actually the first time that Denmark have been a top seed in this century. I think so. Really, we're looking at a group that doesn't really have a top seed effectively. We've really got two second seeds and kind of us as a close third seed, really. And again, the the other thing I would say that sort of from my perspective, I almost feel that Scotland's best chance of getting to the World Cup is from winning this group. Now, that's certainly not to say that we will do it, but just when you look at the you look at the teams that might end up in the playoff, you then also look at the you consider the format that the playoffs are going to follow. Now, I think frankly that Scotland were quite well served by the way that the playoffs ended up for the Euros in that we played Israel one month and then we played Bel uh, Serbia and Belgrade the following month. Now the way this was supposed to work before COVID came along was that the playoff semi-final would be on the Thursday and the playoff final would be the following Tuesday. Now that is what's going to happen for these World Cup playoffs. And I genuinely, I would fear for us, you know, if we'd played those 120 minutes against Israel, going all the way to penalties, our first ever penalty shootout win in the semi-final, and then to think, right, we're off to Belgrade tomorrow, we're playing in, in Serbia in four days' time. I just think that that's a huge ask to get through two huge intensity games in the playoffs. So that's kind of why I say that I feel like the best way for well, really any team in this group to qualify for the World Cup is to win the group and aim for that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, if you if you look back at those those playoffs, it was a brilliant moment for for both of us, I'm sure. But <laughs> going into those playoffs, I mean, I'm not the most optimistic fan. Uh, it has to be said. Uh, you, you can look at things different in, in different ways, of course, but when you see, you see, you know, Norway, Serbia, Israel, Scotland, I think you can make a case definitely to say that all four sides are, are relatively evenly matched and anybody could have won any of those games. But you could certainly on paper see Scotland as the kind of third ranked side from those four. Yeah, so absolutely. it was fantastic really to actually go away, especially given the, you know, the nature of the away game as well to go away and actually grab that spot is brilliant. And you've got to hope that from the Scotland perspective, that's given the guys a taste of for more, you know, we've seen it, the results of perhaps even borne out already with, with Che Adams, you know, talking about Scotland now having a, a striker yeah, yeah. for the future. Maybe that kind of thing happens because the Euros are on the table. Maybe oh. it's not such an attractive proposition if there's no Euros <laughs> on the table. So, you know, when you get a chance to, to go and win a group like this and, and just, you know, start off on the front foot, um, it's a good chance for Scotland against a sort of sort of unsettled Austria side, a couple of injuries. Yeah, why not just go for it? Try and sort of seize the moment and, and as you said, yeah. set the tone, see what you can do in a, in a very winnable group. No, it's absolutely. Be close. 
I, I, I think it will be. I think it'll be a very, very tight group. I think it'll probably come down to who drops the most points against Israel. And as a team who has recent history of dropping, dropping points against Israel, that concerns me, but we will cross that bridge when we come to it. Um, look, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting to you, getting your take on Austria. I do feel like I've learned a lot. I feel like I'm even more excited than I was earlier about the game on Thursday. Now, before I let you go, I do have to put you on the spot. Now, appreciating your sort of foot in both camps uh, attitude, what do you think the score is going to be on Thursday? I'm going or do you want to split the difference and say 1-1? And just leave it at that. <laughs> I, I said it already. I can definitely see a 1-1, but I don't usually do this, but I'll, I'll, I'll put my neck on the line. I'm going to say Scotland 1, Austria 2, uh, Sasha Kalajic with a goal. In like the 85th if Yusuf minute. Demir gets the winner, if Yusuf Demir gets the winner <laughs> after 85 minutes, it, it would be an incredible moment for Austria. So let's go for that. Why not? Okay, okay. Unlikely. I will mark it down. I will mark it down. <laughs> um, but look, honestly, mate, Tom, thank you so much for your time. I'm sure I'll be phoning you up for the for the return fixture later in the year. But um, enjoy the game on Thursday. And yeah, it's going to be a big, big week ahead for both of our both of our countries. Yeah, you too. Really looking forward to it. And uh, I guess the, the big thing to say at the moment with, with all this football is I'm really, really hoping. I was so excited when this group was drawn. There's some brilliant ties, you know, Faroe Islands as well, a side with history for both of us. I really hope it's possible to travel to some of these games. And uh, I'd love to see some, some Scottish fans, yourself included, over in Vienna when the game, uh, when Austria v Scotland comes around later in the year. 100%. Well, sounds like, sounds like I might have a place to stay. <laughs> <laughs> you got it, mate. You got it. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Tom. Cheers. My pleasure. Take it easy. I really hope you enjoyed that chat there with Tom Middler about all things Austria national football team. My thanks to Tom, and I do recommend if you have any interest in Austrian football, check out his channel, The Other Bundesliga. So that leaves me just to wrap up this episode by saying thank you to everybody for listening. Um, please subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And as ever, you can find all our Scotland national team content on the website, thetartanscarf.com, or on our Twitter or Instagram profiles, at the Scarf. Really hope you're as excited as I am about the games coming up this week. It's a huge opportunity for us to set the tone for the World Cup qualifying campaign ahead before the attention can turn to the summer. And we'll speak to you very soon. I can boogie if you stay, I can't go wrong. I can boogie, boogie, woogie.